right, let's look in Romans 1.16 this morning. Romans 1.16. Give you a minute to get there. Romans chapter 1. Going to start what will probably take a few weeks to get through. Romans, out of Romans 1, 16. We're going to talk about the gospel. All right, let's read. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Well, let, actually, let me back up and read from verse number 14. Romans 1, 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then a good explanation verse here. Why is it the power of God? Why did God choose it? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness and for your grace. I pray that you would, God, uh, visit with us this morning. I pray that you'd reveal yourself. I pray, God, that you'd open the scriptures to our hearts and minds. I pray, God, you'd lead us, instruct us, inspire us, O oh God, and then help us not just to be hearers of the word, uh, but, God, to be doers as well, and that we would apply these things in our hearts and lives. If we see the truth of it, if we see the importance of it, God, then I pray that you'd help us, God, to live up to it to the best of our ability. As you said, oh Lord, you said to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. And I thank you, God, for what you do this morning. I pray you'd allow us to, to, to wake up. I pray you'd allow us, God, to uh, approach this uh, morning service, whether it be Sunday school or the morning service with zeal. Well, thank you, oh God, for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. All right, like I say, this morning we're going to talk about the gospel for a little while, and I've got several different things here that I want to go over. The importance of the gospel, uh, the kinds of gospel. You'll run, into one, uh, you'll run into more than one kind of gospel in the Bible, and then we're going to talk about the definition of the gospel, and then we're going to explain grace. And then we're going to explain faith and hope, and we'll go over that stuff at the end. But that's what we're going to try to get covered all in all. But this morning, first of all, the importance of the gospel. Now, there's preaching, and there is, uh, there's, uh, I'm talking about doctrinal preaching. You get up and preach a sermon about the Trinity or something to that effect, some kind of a doctrine. There's that kind of preaching. There's, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 5 and 6, there's administration, there's operation. You know, one man might pastor a church and he might do it one way, but the Bible says there's different administrations, but one spirit. Amen. And of course, there's all kinds of doctrines to preach on. If you've ever had, uh, if you've been in Sunday school, if you've been saved for any length of time, if you've ever, I know a lot of folks that come to this church. Uh, I remember Samson used to pass out those discipleship uh, papers and different folks would go through the discipleship programs. In that instant, you learned about doctrine. You learned different Bible doctrines and things like that. And But then there is also preaching of the gospel, and there's a little bit difference. We're going to talk about that 
uh, in just a little bit, but I think, and I don't just think it because I don't have anything else to do, I think it because it's so, Amen. is that the churches have lost power, not because the gospel's lost power, but because people have stopped preaching the gospel. And we're going to talk about that uh, for just a little bit. But like I say, there's administrations, there's operations. Uh, people go uh, about doing the same thing, maybe in just a little bit different ways. And that's all right as long as you can find a biblical mandate to do that. Uh, the Bible says we're not to use cunningly devised fables. And a fable, you can look it up for yourself if you want to. That's just coming up with a better way to tell the story. Uh, you might act it out or whatever the case might be. Uh, but that's, you know, God didn't choose that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What, what is it that they're believing? They're believing the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. Again, let's look in Romans 1.16 here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. Amen. Let me be real clear about that. You are not the power. Right. Amen. You are not the power. Uh, some little stupid cartoon, I have the power. You have nothing. Amen. Amen. You, uh, if you have the gospel, you have the power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And who's it effective on? The Bible says to everyone that believe it. So all you've got to do is tell it. The recipient has to hear it and believe it. Of course, he can reject it. That's con completely and totally up to him. And then let me say this. If he rejects it, God didn't make him do it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I keep hearing the statement, and I'm, I'm hearing it more and more, and you'll hear it more and more as we go on in, into the future. People are going to become more religious and less spiritual. Right. If you compare today to 1970, people are more religious and less spiritual. And if you go back through all history, you say, well, well, I guess I wish it was like the good old days. Well, if you're talking about I don't know when you would talk about it. You, you might think, well, back in the 70s, it was wonderful. But I lived in the, in the 70s, and everything was just the, the exact wrong shade of everything. Green appliances and brown and brown suits, and the collars was too big. Not everything about the past was wonderful. But people have the idea that if you go back in time, things were better, and it was a better time to live. Well, suppose we go back in time and we stop on one of those years where they were burning Christians at the stake. Amen? I mean, things are bad. Now, they're talking bad about us on the, in the news media. Well, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but some of the, some of the wisest things and some of the best way to live, uh, ways to live is sometimes captured in little nursery rhymes. Kids know it, but you don't. Amen. But now that you know, you don't, don't bully one another and say bad things. Well, listen, it, people are going to say bad things, but that's not the worst you've ever had. It. Amen. So we think of, we think of you know back in the day people were better. Uh, back in the day people had more principle. Back in the day preachers preached with fire and conviction. Back in the day, Christians stayed up and prayed all night on Saturday instead of watching Johnny Carson or whatever's on late night uh, this day and time. But they'd done something spiritual instead of something carnal, and Christianity was better and had more power. That is not true. That's absolutely not true. The power has never been in people staying up all night and praying. I'm not saying there's no power there, but I'm saying that's not the power that saves men's souls. Uh, you, can preach, you can pray all night and nobody gets saved because the power isn't in you. 
the powers in the gospel. Jesus died on the cross. Listen to me now. Jesus died on the cross uh, in a substitute, as a substitute for you, and he's going to ensure that that's where the power is. He's going to ensure that if you were backslid and begin to tell people that Jesus died for their sins, there would be power in that. And we'll cover the scripture, but just in case, and I think we'll get to it pretty soon. But the, Jesus, uh, Paul said, some men preach Christ of contention. He said, they're hoping to add uh, to my bonds. They're hoping to add to my affliction. Now, I don't understand exactly what was going on there, but I do understand what he said. He said, there's some people preaching Christ of contention. He said, that doesn't matter to me. Christ is preached, and I rejoice. Because the power's in the gospel. It's not in the teller of the gospel. I wouldn't doubt that many preacher has stood and preached and preached the gospel and people got saved and maybe the preacher died and went to hell. You say, well, because the going to heaven or going to hell is not about preaching or not preaching. It's not about smoking or not smoking. It's about the gospel. It's about the fact that Jesus died for your sins was buried and rose again the third day. And we'll cover that when we cover the definition of the gospel. But what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is if you're sitting here saved this morning, you're sitting on a powder keg of power, and it's not how many chapters you read a day. It's not how, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not about anything you've done. That's the gospel in a nutshell. It's not about anything you've done. It's the fact that Jesus died. He, he done it. Well, at the Christian life, we've got to die to ourselves, but that won't save you. That'll help you. The Bible says that shows wisdom and will worship when you touch not and taste not and handle not. I hope you do get a, a more moral life after you're saved. I mean, that's the obvious effect of being saved. You now become more like Christ and you become more God-like. We use the, we, uh, you say, well, I'm not like God at all. Well, that's what the word godliness means. You ought to work on that. Amen? Amen? There ought to be a change. There ought to be some discipline. There ought to be all of those things. But we're not, we're not, we don't go to heaven by being disciplined or not, or, or being modest or not. And, the, and see, what happens is, is as people go away from the gospel, as far as emphasis is concerned, they get more involved in the religious side. Do I look like I'm saved? Or do I think like I'm saved? Or do I know all the doctrines? If somebody meets me on the street, am I going to know the difference between should we speak in tongues or not? Or does God heal or not? And we get so caught up in that. I, I shouldn't say we. Some people get caught up in that. And once they get caught up in that, they get further and further away from the thing that uh, the place where the power resides. And the place where the power resides is in the gospel. Let me say this. Uh, I think it, whenever you're talking about the gospel, things always need uh, to start with the self. Amen. When you first got saved, and, and as I say, we'll go through all this in just a little bit. But when you got saved, it was about you. Well, uh, my mother was saved. No, no. Uh, man comes up to you on the street and says, hey, sir, you're born again. You're going to heaven. You say, well, my mother was a preacher. I get that quite a bit down in folks. <laughs> My grandma pastors the church of God. Well, listen, we're not talking about your grandma. We're talking about you. 
And so the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all, every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty. It starts with you. So the gospel starts with you. Well, as you, you get saved, you begin to go to church and you still experience life's problems and life's troubles and you get overwhelmed in those things, you get overcome by those things, you're out of the program somehow. The Bible said he made us more than conquerors. He said overcome uh, evil with good. Uh, the answers to life we have, uh, but we get overcome by the fact we get, we get so uh, focused on everything else except for how did we get in? How did we get in? We come in by the door and we forget the door. Amen. Well, you come into a house and start looking around. I, I do this. I don't know if everybody does this, but if I take my family someplace, we staying in a hotel or something like that, I like to look around and find the exits. Now, something bad might happen in this building, and if something bad happens in this building, I want to get out of this building. And you get out the same way you came in. You get out through the door. Amen. You come in through the door when you got saved by the door. Jesus Christ said in, in John chapter 10, I am the door. He said, uh, Jesus said, he said, the porter opened. And talking about John the Baptist, he said, well, if you find out where the door is, you can come in and out and find pasture. And so you can find the necessities. You can find everything. But see, people get in, they forget the gospel. Uh, people get in, they, get, they go through a discipleship program, they learn all the doctrines and they learn how to dress right and how many inches uh, below the knee the dress should come and they learn all these things but they forget, I'm saved by the grace of God and then once you get covered up in problems or trials and troubles, I don't know what's the use. The gospel's the use. Amen. The gospel is the use. Well, you say, why? Because the gospel is your mandate for being here. Amen. Now, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. The, the doctrines are very important. We ought to be focused on them. But God didn't send you here to preach the doctrine of the Trinity. It may come up from time to time. You, God may lead you to preach on it. It may come up as a conversation out in, out in the world someplace, at your workplace. Or, but God didn't send you here to go into all the world and preach the gospel of the Trinity. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Not only that, he was seen. Suppose it was that, some, that Simon Peter just showed up one day and said, I think he rose. I don't think he's in the grave. Let's spread that around. Well, that's just a rumor. But the gospel's not a rumor. Jesus rose and people seen him. Amen. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a source of assurance, but, but it certainly is uh, better than sitting around thinking, well, I, you know, I was trying to explain that guy the truth about speaking in tongues and he won't speak to me no more. And said, Listen, man, get a hold of the gospel and preach the gospel and believe the gospel and keep your confidence in the gospel. You can put your confidence in all the word. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm saying where we lose our power is when we get away from where the power is. Amen. That, the, you said, well, Brother Mike, don't you think there ought to be some other uh, thing after we get saved? Shouldn't we learn something else? or some, Shouldn't there be other things that boost our confidence? Well, there always should, but you're never going to get better than saved. 
There's many things in the Bible that gives me confidence. I've learned doctrines. I understand some doctrines. I understand a lot of things. But there's nothing more uh, assuring and there's nothing uh, that you can rely on better than to know that part of the doctrine of being saved through the gospel is that Jesus Christ abides within. We sing the song, He Abides. Of course, if we sing it in Sunday school, it probably wouldn't be much like we enjoyed it, but it meant Sunday school people, I'm still asleep, but Jesus, Jesus saves, amen? <laughs> well, sometimes we may approach it that way, but we are saved. Well, that person talked bad about me because I wear modest clothes. Well, I'm saved, still I'm going to heaven, amen? Uh, my family members don't have talked to me. Okay, but you're still saved. Amen. And people have feelings and people go through things, but you're saved. And there's where the power is. There's where the power is. And then not only that, but he says in 1 Corinthians, and I quoted it to you a while ago, but he said that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Well, how many of you ever been born again? Just go ahead and put your hand in there. Three of you been saved. Um, well, let me ask you, you got saved because you believe the gospel, Correct. Well, how many of you still believe? Now, see, that verse in 1 Corinthians, it's just a little bit tricky because it didn't say exactly get saved. He said he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Well, I've needed, I've needed saving from a lot of things since I got saved. And I think if you think about it carefully, you probably have too. You probably need saving from temptation a time or two. And according to the Bible, he made a way to escape. But he probably made you a way of escape by preaching you a message, showing you some truth in the Bible, opening up an avenue to escape. Well, you say, well, I really want to do this thing. This thing right here is pretty tempting. Some people pretend their flesh don't exist anymore after they get saved. But it exists, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, some high and holy folks, you're not fooling me. You're just as wretched as I am. Without the gospel, you'd still be in the ditch from which God found you. Amen. I would, and you would, and we all would. And, but I know this, when I begin to put my hands someplace it ought not be, or my feet someplace it ought not be, uh, there is a, there's a wonderful thing that goes on in your heart, not because once you got saved, you magically knew everything, but you've heard since, and you've been discipled since, and the fact that the Holy Spirit's in your heart, now ways of escape begins to uh, begins to reveal themselves and show themselves. And so what you're talking about is not only the gospel that has power, but the preaching of the gospel saves them that believe. I believe today. If somebody preaches a message today, I can get some uh, saving effects out of that. And so well, I've got a confidence to know, hey, and I really believe this, and I think this way. I try to keep this in my mind on a regular basis. Hey, if I really need an answer, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm looking for a preacher to preach. And if a preacher ain't got no, enough sense to preach, I've got a God that's big enough to take over his mouth and help him to say something wise. Amen. So the, Paul doesn't ask anybody to be super preacher or super apostle. He said, if you first be willing, it's accepted of you. And if you're a preacher, just be willing to open your mouth, study your Bible a little bit. I recommend a lot, but at least a little bit. Study the Word of God, come and preach, and there's somebody out there needing saving from something. Might be from hell, 
They might, they, might be, they might need to be saved from hell. That preaching can do that. Amen? It's the gospel where's the, is where the power comes from. Might be somebody going through some kind of a, a mental illness or some kind. I mean, you, I say mental illness. I'm not talking about what your mind immediately went to. I'm talking about struggling with things in their mind. Might be depression, some kind of grief. You know, there's preaching for that. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said that for a reason, didn't he? Well, there must be some salvation somewhere. Then there must be, uh, there must be a release from that. Then there, there must be hope for me if I'm struggling in my mind that way. Amen. 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 Uh, if I was you, if I was going through something like that, I wouldn't dwell on it. I'd pack up my tent and head somewhere else. Amen. Uh, dwell in one place and uh, ruminate in it and think about it and wallow in it. Get up like the prodigal son. Come to yourself and realize that where you are and realize that God has an answer for you in it and go. You say, why? Because you're saved. You're God's son. Hey, I want to get on your face and pray instead of getting on Facebook. No. Brother Mike, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, man, you, there's no need to put your problems on Facebook when you can take it before the throne of grace. Amen? Just go to God and pray a couple, Brother Mike, pray a couple hours? Yeah, you know better than anybody else. Go pray a couple hours about it. If you're not willing to pray a couple hours about it, maybe you're not interested in changing your situation. Maybe you just need, uh, maybe you just need attention. I'm not trying to invalidate anybody's problem, but a problem is worth praying for. Amen? Amen? Uh, nobody on Facebook is going to help you. Matter of fact, they're probably just going to laugh at you. Right. Here we go again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Well, take it to someone who has uh, care and concern for you. Amen. Take it to somebody who can actually do something about it. Say, now, Lord, I've got this problem. I want you to help me with this problem. I need The Bible said come boldly. Yeah. Right. Amen. I don't think a lot of Christians know that since they got saved, they got that kind of ability. But you can come before the throne of grace boldly. Amen. And I, I'm for humility because we're men. We can't help but approach God uh, from, a, from a standpoint of humility because of who we are and who he is. But, you, but don't forget about the fact that he openly invited you to come boldly before the throne of grace. And so just get in your prayer closet and pray a couple hours and say, now God, when next time I go to church and hear a sermon, I expect an answer. Amen. David said Amen. his expectation was of the Lord. Amen. Now, I wouldn't fuss at him if I was you. If you don't get your answer the very next sermon you preach, you might be listening to a dingbat or something. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But you know you also have a Bible, and that Bible contains all the sermons that I can find. If a preacher can find it in there, you can. Amen. There's no such thing as preacher pants and layman pants or deacon pants. We all just put on our pants. We're all people. Amen. Just make sure they're not yoga pants. Amen. Some of you fellows are like, don't, don't, don't preach on that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Amen. 
Well, what I'm telling you about, listen, is that just, we're just people saved by the grace of God. You can find those sermons too. The Bible will preach to you just like it'll preach to a preacher. Amen. Uh, having a college degree or something like that don't give you more access. Well, we just talked about going boldly before the throne of grace. Access gives you access. That's kind of a stupid way of putting it, but if I can go to the throne of grace and you can go there too, well, that's where it's all coming from. All the answers come from there. All the answers come from there. I find if I, if I get up and uh, don't preach very well, that's usually my fault. It's not the gospel's fault. It's not the doctrine I'm trying to, it's not the doctrine I'm trying to get across in that dud of a sermon. It's not the doctrine's fault. It's my fault. Amen. Because uh, I haven't done what's necessary to, to get the answer. And a lot of times in our lives, we fail to go through the gospel and rely on the gospel. You can have confidence in the gospel. And the Bible said it is the power of God to salvation. It's not just aimed at being born again. It is, born, it is aimed at being born again, but it's not exclusive to being born again. It's the power of God and the salvation. You say, we, how far does it go? Well, what do you need to be saved from? You say, well, I don't believe the gospel quite goes that far. Then why did Isaiah say he bore our griefs? Is Isaiah 53 not one of the premier chapters in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ dying on the cross? Being buried and rising again? Well, certainly it is. And there's a lot of things tied up in the gospel that people just, oh, you know, I don't want to preach John 3.16. I need to get over here. Well, see, that, that's, uh, you're making a mistake if you do that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you something uh, over here about the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is an interesting uh, passage of Scripture here. Uh, it's one of those things. That, uh, have you ever read a Bible verse, and I guess you'd have to have some experience to be able to answer the question. And have to be, I'm talking about if you've been saved five minutes, this probably hadn't happened to you. It might have. I don't want to. Uh, sometimes you assume something, you mess up. But if you've been reading the Bible for any time, if you've been studying the Bible, you'll read a Bible verse, you'll say, that don't make no sense at all. <laughs> Uh, I've read some passages in the Bible, and uh, after I got done reading it, I said, man, I don't have any idea what I just read. Climb back up about 15 verses and read it again. When you get to the uh, end of the passage again, you say, yep, I'm an idiot. <laughs> that must have been written in Latin or something because it don't make any sense whatsoever. Well, then you read it and read it and read it and read it, and once you... Five years later, you'll come through that same passage, and you've probably read it at, at least five times. At least five times you've read it back through, and it never jumped out at you again. But then you read across it once, and it makes sense to you, and the Lord shows you what it is. You think, well, how stupid was I for not being able to understand that to begin with? And this is one of these passages to me. I couldn't figure it out, uh, but I think it goes pretty good right here in this uh, lesson on the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9 and then uh, verse number 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's read on. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For, I, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Yeah, I really, I went and preached down there and I really told them, no, 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 no. 
uh, well, if you've got the mastery of the doctrine of, you know, uh, predestination or something like that, maybe you can be happy about that. But the gospel's not one of those cases. I mean, now, notice he's being specific about what he's preaching here. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Well, I really did my job today. No, you did your duty today. Amen. For, ne- for necessity is laid upon me. See, that's what you're supposed to be doing if you're called to preach. And we'll get to this at some point in time during our Sunday school visits, but you're all called to preach. You're, the necessity of preaching the gospel has been laid upon every person that's saved. Freely you've received, freely give. He goes on in this passage, don't he, and talks about, I can do this without charge. Now, you see where I was talking about a while ago, I said there's operations, there's administrations, there's preaching about doctrine, all that stuff. You can get paid for that. You don't get paid for preaching the gospel. Now, see what he says. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. If you're a Christian that's not preaching the gospel, there's no question in my mind that your life is filled with troubles. And I can go further than that and say, Paul said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. A Christian that's not preaching the gospel that's not being a gospel witness, those troubles in your life is not the devil trying to fight against you. That's God whooping your rear end because you're not doing what he told you to do. That's right. That's right. Woe is unto me. You know, woe is that word that they, you, woe is the word I used when I rode my horse as a boy. We had a crazy horse. Our dad bought an insane horse. That horse's name was Wendy. And he finally got horses where uh, several of us in the family could ride. And boy, if you got windy, you was in trouble. Because the first thing she'd do is try to run you up underneath a tree and swipe you off her back. And that horse tried to kill just about everybody in the family before we got rid of her. And my dad in his infinite wisdom gave it to a boy's home, a Christian boy's home. That'll teach him to misbehave, I'll tell you that right now. Son, what do you mean misbehaving like this? Get out there and ride that horse. Uh, Come back just about dead. Uh, But yeah, woe is something you say on a wild horse, uh, but woe is what I meant to say was in the Old Testament when the Lord began to pronounce somebody's doom, he said, woe is unto you. Might be talking about a nation, might be talking about an individual, but he said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Saved and your life's out of shape and you feel miserable all the time. Are you fulfilling your basic and and and, and foremost mandate for your life, purpose for your life, and that is to preach to other people about the gospel? You get away from those things and the power leaves. I'm telling you, when you get away from the preaching of the gospel, the power's going. But brother Mike, I study ten hours a day on all the doctrines. That's good. You should do those things. But what you, what you ought not to forget to do is the first works. So what he says here, let me read it again. He said, for if I do this thing willingly, look at verse 17. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Go out and preach the gospel on a regular basis. The Bible says it's rewarding. Does anybody see that besides me? All right. Well, that's true, you know. 
That's just as true as John 3.16. You go out and be a witness and tell people personally that Jesus died for their sins, you get a reward. It is a rewarding life. Right. You're still going to have troubles and trials, but you have joy. That's right. Do you want troubles and trials with depression or troubles and trials with joy? Your, it's your, your, your own uh, choice. But look what he says. But if against my will, if I, he's saying if I'm preaching the gospel against my will, and I would add, too, he said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You're preaching it unwillingly or you're preaching it not at all. He says, A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And there was that head scratcher right there. What in the world he's talking about? Well, a dispensation, if you look it up, it's a mode. And most people are just, all they've got left of their Christianity is just a mode. Well, what am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, just, just like I was talking about a while ago, an operation. And I could think I can make that simpler by just saying it this way. Now, if you want to go to heaven, you just say this little prayer, one, two, three, repeat after me. Now you've taken care. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's go preach about prophecy or let's go preach about my favorite, you know, portion of morality. Let me preach about the thing that I've got under control, which you probably don't. If you preach about it every time you get up to preach, you probably don't have control of it. It probably has control of you. I don't know that for sure, but I've got a good estimation about it because I've been there too. Amen? Amen. But, okay, we'll, we won't dwell very long right there because I can see it's getting on your nerves. But a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, he says. If I do it unwillingly, if I don't do it all, a dispensation, it just becomes uh, one, two, three, repeat after me, and then you've got to spend your time on other things. But that other time's not, that other stuff that you're spending your time on is not where the power is. Amen. I'm not saying that some part of the Bible has no power. I'm just saying the power of a Christian life, the power of a, of a gospel ministry Obviously, is the, if it's a gospel ministry, obviously the power's in the gospel. And, but in most churches today, you'll have to agree with me. It's just become one, two, three, repeat after me, say this little prayer, and you're saved, man. Everything will be wonderful. That's a lie to begin with. The Christian life is a wonderful life. I wouldn't take nothing away from that. Absolutely not. But uh, 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 even uh, the life of a person who's saved that's not incorporating the gospel into their daily life. It's not, not what it ought to be. That life is not what it ought to be. And so he goes on down in the passage, and we'll pick up here next week because I need to quit here. But let's just read verse 16 through 23, and, and we'll close this. Well, let me read verse 19. Let me start reading verse number 18. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. When I preach the gospel, don't expect anything in return. As I said, you can preach. Uh, listen, uh, there's been times in my life when I thought, God, I'm preaching. I'm, I, I preach. I pastor a church. I do all this stuff. Why is these problems? See, that's a re an ex expectation of reward. And Paul's saying here, he said the one of my rewards is that I can preach the gospel without any expectation in return. Is God faithful? Okay. Well, if, if I spend 10 weeks, on, in, you know, preaching a series on what it's like to grow up in uh, Tarsus, you might have to pay me for that. I spent time and effort. Well, Paul's from Tarsus. Some people are like, 
But if you preach the gospel, Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day, and all these things, there's no expectation. The expectation of returning preaching the gospel is others be saved. Okay, so that's what he's saying. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. Them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak. So when we pick up next week, I'm going to talk about the immersive gospel, immersing your life in the gospel. He said, uh, I need an example of what you're talking about, like a bath. Yeah. When you take a bath, you don't just stick one toe in and polish up that toe. No, you immerse yourself in it. When you get baptized, you don't get sprinkled. You immerse yourself in it. You go all the way into the gospel. So we'll talk about that. So, Brother Mike, I just can't seem to get my point across to people when I witness. Maybe you're not immersed in it. Uh, you can talk about familiarity. You can talk about what, uh, the extent of your knowledge about the gospel. We can talk about all those things. But just what I'll leave you with this week is, are you immersed in the gospel? Is it in you and through you and uh, all around you? And is it in your thoughts on a daily basis? You could start right there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness. And I pray, God, that you'd take what's been said this morning, feed our souls with it, God. Uh, I pray you'd just prod us along a little bit and get us interested in, in the, in the uh, gospel in so much as that's where the power is. And that's where, we'll get, that's where we'll get lots of things settled in our life is, is our participation in the ministry of the gospel. There's lots of power in being an ambassador for Christ. Help us to get to that place, and we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Amen.